Hi friends, this is Will Dyer, the pastor here at the First Baptist Church of Augusta. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the message that you are about to hear will give you some joy in your day. But more than that, I hope that this message will connect you to Jesus. The mission of our church is to connect people to Jesus Christ in a community of faith. And it is my greatest hope that the message you are about to hear will better connect you with Jesus and His way in the world. Hey church, what a joy it is to be here with you today and celebrate this continuation of our series, Restored from Broken to Beautiful. Man, being in here in this shop is amazing. In my heart and mind, I am walking down memory lane. I don't know how many of you know this about me, but I was once an aspiring musician. I played the viola. What's that you say? Well, I used to get similar questions when I was growing up. You see, it's not a violin, it's not a cello. And so I always described it to my friends who asked me in Pickens County, South Carolina, that it was basically a big fiddle. So take that and think about that as you think about what a viola is. But since it's neither a violin or a cello, violists are always the butt of many cruel jokes. I mean, we take a beating in the musical world. Uh, this one is always one that got me. How do you want to make sure that your violin never gets stolen, they would ask? Well, you hide it in a viola case. Or this one, what's the difference between a trampoline and a viola? Well, you actually take your shoes off when you jump on a trampoline. I mean, the jerks out there that would say these things about the beautiful music that a violist could make just really hurt my heart, but it was all in good fun. But honestly, I kind of got the last laugh. I had the benefit to learn from countless teachers who instilled in me the joy of music. I went to various summer camps and programs, and the prize of them all was that through music and through the viola, it actually helped me ask my wife out on our first date. You see, she's the real musician of the family. She has a beautiful voice. And she sang at the front of the Furman Singers because she was, I imagine, one of the best singers. And I played at the back of the orchestra because I knew I was one of the worst players. But what that did was it put us in close proximity. So at every rehearsal break, I would somehow find my way 
to that front row of sopranos where Rebecca sat, I would chat her up and eventually I asked her on a date and she said yes, yay me. But what is it that I learned through this whole experience? Something that was taught to me over and over again was the following. It was this, David, practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. And while I know that's true, it also had an unintended effect on me. It always made me afraid to play in front of people, especially if I had to play by myself. I was always afraid that my imperfections would bubble up to the surface and I would make some screech or scratch sound and someone would snicker and I'd turn red. I would always try to find any and every excuse to get my way out of having to perform or play for others. Now, years later and not having played the viola in over 10 years, I wish I could go back and talk to the younger me. You know what I would tell him? I would tell him, there are no perfect performers. There are no perfect performances. All of them have some type of imperfection. You're missing the point if you're just trying to pursue perfection alone. What you need to do instead is just get lost in the music. It's similar to music, in our faith, there are no perfect Christians, nor are there perfect Christian ministries. We're all imperfect too. Another way to describe that is that we're all broken. And in a shop that specializes in repairing and restoring broken vessels, I think that's exactly what we are. We're broken vessels as well. We're in need of restoration so that we can go from something broken to something beautiful. But to do that, we've got to let go. We've got to let God use us because the joy, the beauty of it all is when we offer ourselves unto the Lord as these broken instruments and we let Him make the music of ministry be beautiful to others. This was no more true for me than when I was 20 years of age. I felt the call to go and serve as a summer missionary to the Wayless Quechua Indians in the Andes Mountains of Peru. I had been the summer before. I knew some of what I was about to get into, but I also knew that my Spanish was very limited at that time. And I also made the decision that this would be a solo missionary trip. Why? I don't know, but it just was. I went with this thought in my head that I was going to be the Billy Graham of the Andes Mountains. Why? I was going to lead so many people to Jesus that it wasn't even going to be funny. But what I found was something quite different. I couldn't even get somebody to come to my Bible study. I would ask, I would scour the town, calling out and inviting friends and acquaintances, come to the Bible study tonight, and every night would be the same result. Me, by myself, reading my Bible, praying for them, no less, but alone. I was struggling. No, no, check that. I was broken. I was a broken vessel. 
I was homesick. I cried almost every night thinking of my family alone in my bed, missing them, missing Rebecca. I didn't know all the things that were going on. You might even could say more accurately, I didn't have a clue. But then I got a phone call one day. I'll never forget it because there were like two phones in this tiny little mountain town where I lived at about 8,000 feet. <laughs> and someone yelled out from the store, David, you've got a phone call. All in Spanish, of course. Well, that perked my interest. I, I went running. I was so excited to see who it was. It just so happened that it was my missionary friend who was in Lima, Peru. He told me, David, there's a little town named Yipa, about an eight-hour drive from where you are, and there's a little house church that meets there. They just have started, and I want you to go and help their pastor, Asensio, give communion to this church. Well, for someone that was broken and completely disoriented, I jumped at the chance, excited to have a task and a job. So I got on this little tiny bus and we made the pass through the mountains. We made this pass through this place called the Vacuña Valley at 14 and a half thousand feet. I was so cold and shivered and it was so hard to breathe at that elevation. But then down we went into the mountain ravine until we arrived at the town called Yipa. This little tiny speck of land located on the side of a mountain with various little houses there. It was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. I mean, the schoolyard was literally on the side of a cliff. The kids playing kickball and soccer had to use extreme caution because if that ball went over the fence, it was gone forever. I spent about a week there hanging out with the pastor, Sencio, talking to him at night as much as I could helping him in his fields in the morning, picking corn, picking fruit, whatever he could use me for. But then came that night when we were to have church service. A small group gathered inside Asensio's home, which was basically just a house made out of sticks. And then I realized I haven't gotten the elements yet for the Lord's Supper. <laughs> In my American mind, I was just going to run down to the local store thinking that these things would just be readily available. <laughs> but what I found was quite the opposite. There was bread, but it was as hard as a rock. <laughs> but there wasn't any grape juice. So I had to do the next best thing, and I bought a liter of Pepsi. <laughs> Back to Asensio's house I went. I tried to explain the Lord's Supper, me speaking in my broken Spanish, and then Asensio speaking in the local dialect in that area, which was Quechua. I'm not really sure what was understood or how it was understood, but communion, communion happened that night. But then afterwards, as we were finishing up, one of the church members overheard me say to another, you play violin? You play a stringed instrument? Why, I've got one in my house next door that's never been played. I don't know how in the world, in the middle of nowhere, this man had a violin in his house. But when I said, yeah, maybe I can play it, he was already out the door running to his house. He brought it back out of breath, handed it to me with such great pride. I looked at this violin, various chips off of the wood, 
cracks running throughout the instrument. And I'll never forget this. One of the four strings was not even there. But then he said, play it, play it. I thought back in my head, in my mind, all of those things that I'd been taught, all of my fears about not having the ideal situation to be able to play perfectly, not, not even being ready to play, not having music to play from. But then in that moment, I just let go and I let God use me. I played Amazing Grace by Year, Sweet Hour of Prayer, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Not necessarily well, but you should have heard their response. Otra vez más, hermano David. Otra vez más. One more time, David. One more time. I played until I was exhausted. And, and while I was playing, someone took this picture of me. You won't necessarily see all the differences with the instrument, all of its deficiencies, but trust me, they were there. And later that night, as I wrote about it in my journal, I could only say the following. I felt my spirit and God's spirit in true communion. It hit me on so many levels. Me, a broken vessel, playing a broken vessel, but in such sweet communion with the Lord. That's a ministry story that has changed the entire shape of my life. But it's not just for me, because I think that God can do similar things through all of us. And you don't just have to take my word for it. In the Bible, in this letter that a guy named the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Corinth, he says this in 2 Corinthians verses 7 through 12. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be also revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Paul is saying, first and foremost, I, Paul, am a broken vessel. It, you can see that in as much because Paul wrote about two-thirds of the 27 books that consist of our New Testament. Within so many of them, he talks about his brokenness, saying in one instance that he struggles morally. The good that he knows he should do, he doesn't do it. And the evil that he knows that he shouldn't do, he does. Paul struggled emotionally, writing that when they were in Asia Minor on a missionary trip, he and his companions despaired of life, even to the point of death. Then he says this about a physical ailment that he has. He called it his thorn, and he prayed to God three times for God to heal him, to remove this thorn from his side, 
only to hear God's answer, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in weakness. Oh yes, Paul was a broken vessel and he likens it to something that you would see in every house and store in the ancient day. A jar of clay, an earthen vessel, as it's said in other translations. <laughs> it was as common as the Tupperware in your closet. It was used to store things. It was used to put things away, but different than the containers that you buy for $5.99 at Walmart that will never biodegrade and are indestructible, essentially. These jars of clay were constantly getting chipped, and fractured, and broken, even so much to the point that they would eventually return to dust. That's what Paul says his life feels like, that outwardly he's wasting away, but inwardly there's something by which he is being renewed day by day. It's a treasure within. It's God's Spirit that resides in His heart through the salvation that He Himself received from Jesus Christ. And He looks at His life and His body, this jar of clay. He recognizes the various cracks and breaks and fissures and holes, but He's not ashamed. For these things that outwardly may look unpleasant, Paul transforms into windows so that others who are on the outside may look inside and see that it is Jesus Christ alone that gives him the ability to continue and to thrive. Now that's a message that I can get behind. And it's also one that if you're willing to say, I resonate with you, David. My life is a broken vessel. My understanding of Paul's message is the same. I think that what he says about broken vessels is true not only for him, but also for me. I think we can go one step further. I think we can explore how you and I, as people that are saying openly and honestly that we're all broken vessels, can use our status to, in fact, thrive in this life that we are given. So, I've got three points for you. Uh, they all start with the letter A because it's easy to memorize. And there's three because, well, I'm a Baptist preacher and that's what we do, isn't it, folks? The first one that I want to point out to you is the word abandon. Uh, abandon what? Abandon the pursuit. Abandon the pursuit of trying to maintain the image of perfection. That's something that, especially now in days, we can all struggle with. We in so many ways control what we want other people to see about us, whether it's through social media or something else. We're kind of like our own PR managers, aren't we? We want people to look at our life and to be able to conclude, wow, they've really got it all together, don't they? We never want to have people look at our lives and think, well, 
it's kind of falling apart at the seams or worse still it's just not working over there we especially don't want them to ever maybe think gosh they're just broken aren't they but if we think about that pursuit that pursuit of trying to maintain the image of perfection we think about an impossible goal don't we i mean is it reasonable for you to actually try to take something that's imperfect like your life or my life and constantly have other people try to think that it is perfect i don't think so and i think that's why nowadays there are so many people who are tired who are exhausted the maintenance of this image of perfection can sap from us the very strength of life and the joy of living it's almost like if you take a piece of paper you've balled it up and it's in one big wad but then you say all right but now my goal is to try to take this piece of paper and unfold it and to flatten it out i want it to be perfect i don't want there to be one wrinkle or one crease it's impossible we've got to abandon that pursuit it's something I think that Paul would say, yeah, it's time to admit that we don't have it all together. And that's the next stop of our journey. Admit your brokenness. Admit that you don't have it all together. There's a story that comes to mind as I talk about that point. You see, my little girl, Maggie, who's now a third grader, has always been one that loves to do her schoolwork and to do it well. She wants the check mark or the smiley face on top of her homework when she gets it back from her teacher or even the, the coveted check plus if you've done it really well. I've always tried to be a good dad and help her along in her homework journey when it was my turn to do so. But my favorite time to do this was actually in kindergarten. I mean, this is stuff that I knew how to do. I felt really confident in my abilities. And so on one homework assignment, the instructions were to circle everything that started with an M. So Maggie and I with her crayon that was about as big as my finger, you remember those, don't you? We went and we circled everything that started with an M that was on that page. We circled money, we circled mouse, and we left other things uncircled that, in our opinion, especially my opinion, did not start with the letter M. The next day we got that homework back. There was no check. There was no smiley face. <laughs> there was a frowny face. I looked at this and saw X's and I thought, how in the world could we ever get this wrong? Why? That teacher must have gotten confused. I'm going to give her a call. And I did. I said, ma'am, we did the homework just like it was said. We circled mouse. We circled money. And we didn't circle the horse or the baseball glove for obvious reasons. How did we get this wrong? Surely it's your fault. Her response was, Mr. Hughes, take a closer look. It's not a baseball glove. It's a mitt. 
And it's not a horse, it's a mule. <laughs> you sort of circled those things. I think when we're talking about our brokenness and admitting it, we've all got to follow that teacher's instructions. We've all got to take a closer look. Just like Andy Stanley writes in his book, Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets, the first question that we should ask ourselves, the integrity question is, am I being honest with myself? Really? Honesty was something Paul had no problem talking about in this scripture. Just look at what he says. He says, in my life, I've been hard-pressed, I've been crushed, I've been per perplexed, I've been persecuted, I've been struck down. But in the same likeness, he says, but I've not been crushed, I've not been in despair, I've not been abandoned, I've not been destroyed. You see, in admitting his brokenness, Paul is not expressing weakness as much as he is expressing freedom. He knows that his deficits, that his broken vessel is ultimately not his identity. It's the treasure within that proclaims that no matter how broken he can be or is, there's ultimately victory in the promise of the forthcoming restoration through Jesus Christ. I think that much is true for all of us that we need to take a closer look. We need to be honest with ourselves, really. We need to admit, hey, we've got issues. <laughs> we've got issues that need tissues. We need to stop trying to maintain this image of perfection and say, you know what, I've got real problems. My marriage, it's a struggle. My kids, they're lost. My habits are unhealthy. In that, find the freedom to be honest with yourself and honest to God, but know that ultimately you are not destroyed. You are not abandoned. That the treasure within you remains despite your broken vessel and it promises restoration. The last part of these applications is one that can only be done if you are willing to do the first two. And it's this, allow God to use your brokenness for His glory. This is possibly the most exciting step of this process, that we entrust our broken vessels to God's hands and say in as much, May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, take this life for what it is and use it for something that will last longer than our lifespan. Use it for something that will impact the entire scope of eternity. This perhaps comes into focus for me when I think about the hymn, It Is Well. Uh, the words to that hymn were written by a name by Horatio Spafford. Uh, he was a man that suffered incredible loss. His two sons died 
and the great Chicago fire of 1871. And when he sent his wife and two daughters on a transatlantic journey to England, they were involved in a nautical collision with another boat. His wife sent a telegram saying the following, saved alone. His daughters had passed away. And when Spafford then made the trip from the U.S. to England, he came across that very spot where his daughters had died. And he allowed God to use his brokenness for his glory as he wrote the following words that have given hope and life to countless people in all types of moments. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. That's an old hymn, but it's not ancient history. <laughs> the same thing can happen in our lives today. That God can take whatever brokenness we possess and use it for His glory. And in so doing, teaching us that through faith, all things can be made new. If you've journeyed with me thus far, I want you to bring it on home for your personal life. And I want you to do that by writing the following three questions down, giving them time, serious time to think and then write your answers out. This will just be between you and God, but if you want to, I would encourage you maybe even to share these answers with someone else that you trust. These questions are all about the different things that we've studied and seen through the scripture and through the sermon points. So here's question number one. Where am I trying to maintain the image of perfection in my life? Where? Where, where am I trying to keep up appearances? trying to maintain and manage my image instead of just being honest. The second question is this, what is broken within me? What's broken within me? What crack or hole or fissure has formed in my body and my soul that needs to be recognized. If I'm being completely honest, it's this or it's that. What is it for you? Last but not least, how can I let God use my brokenness for His glory? I get so excited when I think about the possible answers that can pop from these questions. That by answering them and then by envisioning a different way forward, your life will be transformed. Another word for that is restored. That something that was broken will be made into something beautiful. It reminds me of one of my favorite songs, a song that Dan often leads 
in our contemporary praise service that was originally written by Hillsong. It's appropriately entitled, Broken Vessels. Do you know the lyrics? Let me say them to you now. All these pieces, broken and scattered, in mercy gathered, mended, and whole, empty-handed, but not forsaken. I've been set free. I've been set free. Oh, I can see it now. I can see the love in your eyes, laying your life down, bringing my brokenness to life. Will you pray with me? God, we are nothing more than a collection of broken vessels, but in your hands we can be restored into great beauty. May we realize that even though we are but jars of clay, the treasure of your eternal life lies within, and that there is freedom to abandon perfection, admit brokenness, and allow you to use our fragile lives for your glory. We give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen.